Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it is Friday, December 8th, 2023. Got a distinguished guest uh, waiting to talk about all the topics of the day. Uh, but before I do, I got to address something uh, that uh, some of my longtime hardcore uh, listeners are going to be like irritated when they first hear it. So I always open up the show uh, with a little reference to what's in the news at the day. And so most of my listeners are not sports fans, but they're diehard political junkies. Well, there's a story in today's uh, Sun-Times that uh, relates to my beloved Chicago Bulls, uh, the basketball team, uh, for you non-sports fans out there. Uh, and one of their star players, uh, Zach Levine, uh, is not playing right now. Uh, and the Bulls announced that his foot was sore about, uh, it was about several days ago. So Zach hasn't played in over a week. Uh, and uh, before that, Zach Levine let it be known that he would be uh, willing to be traded. And it's pretty clear to everybody he wants out of town. Uh, his representatives have been sort of whispering to their friends in the press uh, that Zach would prefer to play uh, somewhere else, probably L.A. You know, the, the, everybody thinks the Lakers are cool these days uh, with LeBron and A.D., et cetera, and so forth. Now, I raise this all not just to talk about sports people, but to get at a larger issue about credibility in the age of Trump. All right. So there's a larger political uh, purpose to this discourse, all right, political junkies? So follow me on this one. So Zach, about three or four weeks ago, through his uh, agents and his uh, press handlers, let it be known that he would be just as soon to be traded from the Bulls. He's the highest paid player on the Bulls right now. He's the star of the Bulls right now, ladies and gentlemen. He's the man. He's got what they call a max contract, which means he's the man on both sides of the ball, defense and offense, that the Bulls expect to lead them. When you give someone a max contract, you're expecting this person to lead you to the promised land, right? That's like A.D., Anthony Davis, ladies and gentlemen, or LeBron James. These are kind of like max player types, all right? So the Bulls had their guy, Zach. He doesn't like to play defense. That's a problem. You know, there's like, you got to 
In basketball, you get to score, and then you get to defend. All right, non-sports fans out there, and he doesn't like that. He loves scoring, but he didn't really. He's not really into the defending part. I'm just, you know, it's every Bulls fan knows this. Okay, he's not never been one of the great defenders. I'm not saying he couldn't if he wanted to, but as my distinguished guest will probably tell you, if you're what really makes you outstanding a defense is like something that's almost intangible. It's hard to heart, <laughs> fearlessness, giving yourself up for a greater cause, which is not about you and scoring points, but about your teams common interests. All right. All right. I'm going to get off that soapbox. So he better be clear that even though he's a max guy in the city of Chicago, he'd rather go play in LA. And I don't blame him. I love LA. I'd rather go to LA myself. Okay. Hang out at the ocean, be cool and all that. Uh, shortly there after the Bulls lost seven out of eight games as the team with the, <laughs> recognizing that their max player wants out, just kind of lost, lost their passion. If their max guy, their leader doesn't want to play, the rest of the team didn't want to play. Then all of a sudden, ladies and gentlemen, he got this foot injury. The Bulls won three in a row since then. It's like a different team out there. They're hustling. They're playing defense. They're passing the ball. It's a collective unit dedicated to a common good. And now all of a sudden, at the end of that week, the Bulls announce, Zach's foot is sore, and he won't be able to play for like a month. Every Bulls fan I know immediately said the same thing. There's nothing wrong with Zach's foot. The Bulls made that up. They just want to rest him because they don't want a legitimate injury to reduce his trade value because they're trying to trade him. And that gets to the larger political point. Nobody believes anything anyone says anymore. In the age of Trump, just think about it. Last uh, Wednesday's, or no, yesterday's debate. I forget when the debate was. lost track of time. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who is a Republican candidate for president. Yeah, I follow their primaries too, ladies and gentlemen. He got up and said, oh, my God, it was just like a riff of preposterousness. But one of the things he said was that the January 6th insurrection was an inside job. That was government agents who did it, not MAGA supporters. That is utterly preposterous since Donald Trump himself told his MAGA supporters to go to the Capitol. We saw it. And yet Vivek Ramaswamy said that on the stage. He uttered something utterly preposterous. Donald Trump, the man that MAGA is about to nominate, claims that he actually won an election that he, everybody knows he lost. He utters something preposterous. And you know what? He's leading in the polls because no one believes anything anymore. Now, personally, I'm going to tell you right now. I do not believe the official story about Zach Levine and his foot. I don't believe it, ladies and gentlemen. I believe Zach Levine is a lot healthier than the Bulls claim he is. I believe, yes, I know you probably think I'm going into Donald Trump territory here, but I actually believe they're sitting him because they don't want him to get injured because they don't want to reduce his value as they prepare to trade him. So if we can't even believe our beloved basketball teams, it's not such a stretch to see Vivek get on that stage at the Republican uh, debate and utter something absolutely absurd and preposterous as though it were truth. All right, without further ado, I'm going to bring on my distinguished guest who's been patiently waiting. Uh, without uh, any more, uh, distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Uh, what's going on, Being It is Cam Buckner, and it's uh, great to be here with you once again. Yes, it's always great to see your face, Cam Buckner, state rep uh, from the near south side of Chicago. Uh, and uh, The Loop, a former mayoral candidate uh, and dear friend of the show. So welcome back, Cotter. Thanks for having me. 
All right, Cam, before we get into a lot of issues, some are very moving and personal to you. Uh, I got to ask you, no ducking, no dodging. Uh, do you believe the Bulls' official account about Zach Levine having a, a, a sore foot and being unable to play? Go. Um, uh, to say this artfully, Ben, no. Um, I, I don't have <laughs> I don't have any other way to kind of sugarcoat it. Um, it, it, it reminds me of a couple of things, but, but one is, as you were telling that story, I, I think about the guys who I played with in, in high school and college who uh, maybe being more uh, less than honest about injuries uh, because they did not want to be on the on the field. Um, and I'm taken back to a a quote from my high school football coach, legendary Lexi Spurlock, about a friend and player of mine who was faking a hamstring injury. And Coach Spurlock yelled at the top of his lungs, it's not your hamstring, it's your heart string. Um, <laughs> which uh, stuck with me. But I'll tell you what, I mean, listen, I, I think that obviously this is a business. They're working on some things probably behind the scenes. Uh, and, you know, I would much rather Zach Levine just not step foot on the court, uh, whether or not the injury is, is real, uh, than to kind of, you know, mail it in um, for this team. I think this team is trying to find who they are. You and I have talked about guys like Kobe White, who – I think are finding their space. And I think a lot of that is because Zach's not there right now. And so listen, it, it happens. I would much rather him do this than um, the 2008 Paul Pierce fake wheelchair stuff. Uh, like during the game. <laughs> right, so. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> and, and let's give a shout out. I know we don't, we want to get to some other issues, but let's give a shout out about uh, your fellow Illini, Io, uh, your fellow Morgan Parker. Right, I mean, right. this man plays with such heart on both ends of the ball. And he's from Chicago. And the people of the stadium, Cam, I don't know if you've been to a Bulls game this year. They love Io, you know, and uh, you, you, you can tell, you know, you see the real thing, you know it. You know what I'm saying, Cam? It's right, man. And it's always fun, right, to, to watch somebody born and raised in, in, in Chicago, in, in the Chicago area, um, put on that, that red and that black. Uh, we've seen it a few times. We saw it with, with Randy Brown, right, who went to Collins High School. We saw it with Eddie Curry being a South Suburban guy. We obviously saw it with Derrick Rose. Um, but uh, AD, uh, that's the real AD as far as I'm concerned. He is, um, he, he's doing it uh, at a really high level right now. And it's just hard to watch him and not just be enthralled by his energy and his passion. He's such a great guy. And he's doing, you know, he's doing what he can for the city. Yeah, excellent. Uh, and uh, a long shout out way before uh, Cam's time, Mickey Johnson. That's uh, right. Farragut played for the Bulls back in the 70s. All right, uh, let's move on and talk about something that's really near and dear to your heart. Uh, you were out of town this weekend. Uh, you were in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, and for a, the announcement of a lawsuit regarding um, the death of a dear friend of yours, uh, Glenn Foster. You talked briefly about this in one of our shows last year, uh, Cam, but I think it's time to take a deeper dive on this because this is a very serious allegations have been leveled in this lawsuit. Uh, and um, this is a local guy. I just want to, I know it would matter no matter where he lived. I understand that, but this is a Chicago guy, Mount Carmel high school graduate. Uh, and so Cam, why don't you, uh, and University of Illinois uh, graduate. So, Cam, why don't you take it away? Take the deep dive. Ex tell folks the story of the life and death of Glenn Foster. Go. Two years ago, December 6, 2021, Glenn Foster, um, who, as you said, uh, was a Chicago native, grew up on the south side in Chatham in, in the 8th Ward, um, went on to Mount Carmel High School, and then uh, on to the University of Illinois, 
where he was a standout football player and, and then later on spending a couple seasons with the New Orleans Saints as a defensive lineman. Um, uh, he was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, visiting uh, one of his former Saints teammates. Uh, on the way home back to New Orleans, he was pulled over uh, for speeding in uh, Pickens County, Alabama, in a small town called Reform, of all places, uh, Reform, Alabama. Um, he was taken into custody, uh, and two days later, um, he was found dead in the back of a police cruiser. Uh, the video that was supposed to exist in the jail uh, was not there. It has not been made available to his family or to the attorneys. Um, and there's a lot of just inconsistencies. But unfortunately, we have uh, seen this type of fate happen to folks in that sh- in that county in Alabama before. And so, um, you know, when we talk about patterns and practices uh, of certain law enforcement agencies, or this is one that really rings a bell. And uh, there was an independent autopsy done where it was made very clear that Glenn did not die of natural causes, um, that he was... Um, uh, definitely uh, strangled at some point that there was neck compressions. Um, and we found out, you know, more recently that there were uh, a number of times that he was uh, handcuffed to a chair and tased, uh, among other super brutal, super traumatic uh, things that happened to him. And so uh, Glenn and I met when he was a junior at Mount Carmel High School. He was at that point being recruited uh, by the University of Illinois. Uh, I took a liking to him. We became friends. Uh, and got to play uh, with each other for one year. His his junior year, his freshman year was my senior year. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, crossed paths again in New Orleans when I worked for the mayor of New Orleans and he got picked up by the Saints in 2012. Um, and, you know, uh, he was like a little brother to me, somebody who I saw amazing things in. And he was one of the guys who really took football and used it as a vehicle because even though his NFL career lasted over only two and a half, three seasons, um, he became an entrepreneur. Uh, and he was doing great work in the community. Um, his wife, Pamela, and their four little girls are now left without uh, their hero. Uh, and so I was in Birmingham this week at the request of Sabrina and Pamela, Pamela, sorry, um, Glenn's mother and, and his widow and his father, Glenn Sr., as well as uh, my friend, uh, civil rights attorney, Ben Crump, uh, who is representing the family. Uh, and the lawsuit was filed. Uh, this family needs justice. This family needs answers. Uh, what happened here was untoward, uh, and we can't continue to watch this thing happen to, to black men across this country. Is there any uh, official, how do I put this, um, explanation for his death? That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, is there like an official uh, coroner's account for why, uh, what killed him? No, there is not. No. Um, uh, the, 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 report that came back from the Pickens County Sheriff was just that he died and they said possibly of natural causes. Um, you know, they were assuming that something or, or intimating something uh, was wrong with him physically. And once again, this is a, a, a guy who was just a few years out of his professional playing career. Um, very important about very locked in on his physical condition. So in shape guy, right. Um, who uh, had no, no physical health problems leading up to this point which is why the independent autopsy was, was ordered. Uh, and once uh, that came back, like I said, there were, there were signs of both neck compressions and strangulation that actually was the cause of death for, for the ending of his life. We have still not gotten a response from the sheriff's department about uh, whether or not they agree with that, uh, um, those autopsy re- reports or not. 
And by the way, this is the same area of Alabama uh, that was, um, you may have seen this video. I saw on a deal, he, uh, he dropped it on Instagram of a black man being tased uh, by a state trooper. I don't know if it was a state trooper or a town police officer. It was a woman. And it's a brutal. It's it's absolutely brutal. Uh, com- just completely unnecessary bullying, if you will. Uh, I don't know what ostensible law enforcement reason or explanation there could be for it. The man was changing his tires. Completely independent case uh, from Glenn Foster. But it's the same the same neck of the woods, Cam. I think it's reform, which is such a weird name. Right. Just the saying it. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it, uh, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh so there's a reputation in this area. There is. Uh, and I say this as a Chicago I, I admit, Cam, uh like Alabama just 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 the state itself. I don't think I've ever been to Alabama, so it's probably wrong and unfair. I mean, I apologize to all the good people of Alabama for having a bias against Alabama, but I admit I have a bias against Alabama. And listen, I understand it, and I actually carry that with me as well, being it, um, just on this, this trip two days ago down there. Um, we created a pretty um, solid plan on how I was going to get in and get out, especially since I, since I was going down there to start some trouble, right? Um, and my wife checked on me every hour or so to make sure I was fine. But it, it dawned on me that, um, you know, my friend who became deceased by the hands of law enforcement in that town, his grandfather left Alabama some 65 years ago for those same reasons uh, and came to Chicago. Uh, and to see, you know, his life taken away from him uh, in the state that his family uh, came up in uh, really was a, a lot for me to swallow. And, and, and as we stood with Attorney Crump in front of the federal courthouse there, uh, named after Supreme Court Justice Hugo L. Black, who was an avowed member of the Ku Klux Klan. Um, it just all kind of hit me at one time. Yeah, it's pretty deep. And uh, so uh, condolences, obviously, to Foster family. We'll see where this uh, this goes. Uh, people who recognize the name Crump, uh, he is uh, sort of a high-profile attorney who, who uh, I don't know where he's based. Uh, where is uh, Ben Crump? Florida is his, is his home, but he's, you know, he's since Trayvon and, and George Floyd, he's been all over the country really yeah. uh, trying to fight. And, and he'll tell you that um, he understands that the criminal justice system in this country is so backwards and, and so two-tiered um, that uh, it's tougher to get actual convictions. But he believes that uh, the, the way through some of this police misconduct is hitting people in their pockets. Right. And so we've seen some large settlements in many of the cases. I'm not sure what's going to happen here. This is all obviously a civil lawsuit, not a criminal one. Um, but the, the, the Foster family, once again, um, Pamela Foster, who is Glenn's college sweetheart, who is the mother of his children and his wife. Um, she's raising four little girls now uh, without him there. Well, the allegations in the lawsuit talk about police torture. Uh, and I should make it clear uh, that there's no evidence of this. Uh, there's like no video of the torture, and I'm not quite sure where uh, the information comes from. But I will say this: so there's a, the allegations that the police tortured uh, Ben Foster when he was uh, in the, under their cust- in their custody. Uh, and uh, there, as I said one more time, there is no uh, there's no footage uh, of the, the torture, and yet there's the evidence uh, that it, he did not die of natural causes, even though they just sort of lead you to believe that. Uh, and so I'm really, um, I'll be following this one, Cam, to see, uh, you know, where this goes and, and what's next. And if there, 
you know, they always say this, uh, whenever Dio Hughley runs a photo of some kind of abuse, like the, 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 the state trooper torturing, um, the young, the young man with the taser, uh, they go, well, thank goodness there's a video of this. Because if it wasn't video, if there was, you know what I'm saying? If there wasn't video, George Floyd, if there was no video, Cam, did, just think what the world would have been like. Do you follow what I'm saying? Listen, and I'm absolutely, uh, I think you're absolutely right on that, Ben. And I'll just say in, in this case, um, what the family has asked for, what, what the attorneys have asked for, is just simply a release of the video. Uh, and what we've heard from the Pickens County Sheriff's Department, what we heard from Reform, is that for some odd reason, the video that should exist got recorded over. Uh, and so it does not exist. So take that for what it's worth. The video got recorded over. We began by talking about how nobody believes anything anybody in a position of authority says. <laughs> uh, and now we're here. That's right. Wow. The video got recorded over. I, you know, I could do a whole riff on that, but I'm just going to let that lie there and move on to the next subject. And we'll, uh, we'll, um, we'll be following the story again. The Chicago guy uh, from the south side of Chicago, Mark Carmel High, Mount Carmel High School, University of Illinois. Uh, all right, Cam, uh, let's move on uh, to other topics. Uh, it wouldn't be a Cam Buckner appearance if we didn't talk Bears. Uh, Soldier Field is in Cam's district. Cam played football, uh, and Cam straddles a world. He's basically a progressive, but as he puts in his, I think I saw you put this on your mayoral uh, uh, forum, uh, you, or you maybe said it in a forum or whatever. You said, I'm a progressive uh, who is business-oriented, you know, pro-business. Yeah, pro, uh, pro I, business. Pro yeah. business. I said it in my pro city business and, and I yeah. freestyled it, but it worked. <laughs> yeah, progressive, pro-business, pro business. okay. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, so you're, you're more sympathetic to the Bears' cause than I am. Let's just put it that way. Uh, and yet even you have your doubts. Uh, but the latest is that the Bears are exploring the possibility of constructing a stadium, uh, what is it, just to the south of the existing soldier field in what is now a parking lot. Um, and, of course, well, they haven't officially asked the city uh, for a handout, but presumably that would be next. Your thoughts about building a Bears stadium on the parking lot? Go ahead. Well, I'll be clear about this, Ben. I've been clear about this in the past, that I am not a fan of public subsidies for private development. I want to stop, hard stop there. Um, what I've also said is that I do believe that um, uh, irregardless of the, the woe and the heartburn they give many of us, including uh, you and I, um, I think the Bears need to be playing football in Chicago. I just, I think it's one of the cool things about our city uh, that we are the the largest uh, metro uh, metropolitan city in, in the in the country where all of our pro teams play within the city limits. I think that's a big deal. I think that makes us different than Jersey and, and New York and LA and Dallas, right? Um, I also think that we've got to be smart about how we move forward. I've, I've, I've waxed um, about my my issues with the with the NFL uh, and how they've put cities through these uh, sweepstakes for for new stadiums at the cost of the taxpayer. Or if not, you can't be relevant. I think it's a uh, uh, part of my language. I think it's a shitty deal that they that they give um, to these cities, and and we've seen it here in Chicago now as. The Bears try to figure out and jockey for what the best thing for their bottom line is. And I, I totally understand that. 
Um, I, I do think that uh, both Kevin Warren and Mary Johnson have come to this uh, this version of the conversation with eyes wide open about what's possible and, and what we can do. Uh, I've been telling folks for a long time, Arlington Heights is not a done deal. I think we're seeing that today. Uh, and I think uh, both knowing Kevin for a while and knowing the mayor for a longer time, uh, that uh, the both the way they both look at this, I think, can be helpful uh, as they work through this. Now, the truth of the matter is that for any of this to work, I think Springfield has to be involved. Um, and I'm you know excited about the opportunity to kind of help massage some of these conversations and, and get where we need to go. Um, so the Waldron parking deck, which is the news that came out this week, uh, is what folks are looking at today. But I think that there are some other options as well. Um, I'll break a little bit of news here. Ben. I think I've got a op-ed coming out tomorrow, maybe in the Tribune, um, about looking a little bit further south as well uh, at the old McCormick Place uh, Lakeside Center, um, the old black building that's a remnant of the old campus uh, that McCormick Place has really been trying to demolish for a while. Uh, I carried a bill four years ago that was going to tear that down um, and keep everything underground, like the Eric Crown Theater, but build up um, and create more convention space, but also create some connectivity. Um, folks may say, listen, a stadium and a convention center doesn't work well together, but uh, tell that to the folks in Indianapolis. The Lucas Oil Stadium is connected to the Indianapolis Convention Center and it works out pretty well, right? Um, if that is the case and that's where these folks land on this, uh, it would be a public-private partnership. I would assume that the MPEA or the old school McPeer uh, would maybe be the landowner or maybe be the, the, the landlord. Uh, and uh, the Bears could figure out kind of where they land in this. The truth of the matter is I don't think the Bears have to own their own stadium to make this work. I think they have to control their own stadium to a certain extent. Uh, and if you look around the league, you see a bunch of uh, land use or stadium use agreements that differ, right? So here in Chicago, it's just a straight-up agreement where the Bears are paying the park district $6 million a year, right? Um, they don't get the concessions. They don't get the parking lot. They have no ability to name the stadium and no name and rights, which is a big deal in sports nowadays. Um, and in, com in comparison to, for for instance, we're talking about New Orleans. So the New Orleans Saints, who actually get paid by the state of Louisiana to play in a Superdome, they get paid six million bucks a year because the, it works for them. Um, and then you got places like Baltimore where um, they don't pay rent, but the Ravens pay for all the utilities, all the maintenance, and they pay for the salaries of the Maryland Sports Authority, the people who actually run the stadium, right? And so I say all that to say that we can find a creative way to, to create some agreements that work. Um, but once again, I'll end the way I started. I'm, I'm not for uh, public money for private development um, unless there's ways that this is going to benefit Chicago. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about this in my article. I won't go too deep into it. But I think there's also ways um, for us to use this if we do it the right way. Um, as a down payment on knocking down some of our legacy pension debt. Uh, that's the type of thing we got to be thinking about if we're going to move this type of thing forward. And if it's a public development, then uh, it does not run afoul of the Lakeshore Protection Ordinance. Uh, and uh, so I was not aware that you wrote this essay for the Chicago Tribune. So it is breaking news in the Ben Jarofsky show. I just did it like an hour ago. So we're good. <laughs> uh, okay, just finished it. Uh, it was, it's like homework done. Yeah. And now you're talking about it. Um, so did you let the bears know that you were writing this essay Were the bears aware of, of this pr proposal that you're putting out, uh, in the Tribune? No, I'm sorry. I mean, I've had conversations with some of the folks over there. And like I said, I've known Kevin since his time in Minnesota, uh, at the Vikings. Um, 
very weird connection. He he was the general counsel there, um, and one of my good friends is the the son of Leslie Frazier, former Chicago Bear, uh, who was the head coach when Kevin was over there, and so we became connected uh, there at you know about ten years ago. Um, but no, no, I mean th- this is this is you know me throwing out some ideas about the area that I represent. Um, and reminding folks that this is an opportunity for the city and the state to work together. Um, this is an opportunity for public and private partnership to actually move forward. And this is a huge opportunity for the NFL to show that they care about the cities that they exist in uh, in a way that we haven't seen before. All right. Now, I, I'm going to uh, throw this out there. The fact that uh, the Bears are talking about the, the parking lot um south of Soldier Field, and the fact that uh, your suggestion of uh, McCormick Place uh, in the McCormick Place areas is out there is an indication to me that not only, follow me on what I'm about to say, Cam, not only have the Bears grown tired with the negotiations in Arlington Heights, all right, but they may be coming to the realization, at least uh, Kevin Warren is, that it's not good for the Bears brand to be in Arlington Heights. They're the Chicago Bears. They're not the Arlington Heights Bears. And I know, yes, it's true that the New York Giants and the New York Jets play in Jersey. That is correct. Uh, So as Cam said, you don't always play in the city that you share a name with. But the Bears always have, uh, and there's a brand name uh, uh, part of this. So in your humble opinion, has uh, Kevin Warren moved toward the idea that it's best for the Bears to stay in Chicago? I hope so. Um, it, it seems like he's he's thinking about it uh, from from that angle. Uh, I also think you're right about the fact that just because it's happened in Jersey or, or L.A. or once again Dallas uh, or Miami um, doesn't mean that it works for, for Chicago. This is not a one-size-fits-all thing. And in fact, it, it, it's like telling your mom that uh, all the – cool kids are doing something and you're like the mom's like uh they all jumped off a bridge would you jump off a bridge too right if it doesn't we don't do that in this house uh, so if that's not who we are um once again I've, I've said from the beginning i think we can find smart creative fiscally responsible ways uh to do this and ben i'm gonna throw one more thing out there i know there's some conversation about what to do with soldier field right if we if there is a new stadium built um soldier field did lose its landmark status in 2006 uh, after the last renovation um, but I would suggest that uh, we're going to very shortly here be having another conversation about public spaces, specifically downtown, for young Chicagoans in the summertime uh, and what exists and what doesn't exist. And I, and I think for, for the Park District to even think about tearing down Soldier Field is criminal. Um, we have not found ways to, to program things for our young people, which we need to. I also would implore the mayor and the members of the city council to begin to lobby this Chicago-friendly Biden administration to bring back that historic landmark status because what is on the table is not just a pretty plaque. We're losing millions of dollars a year from federal maintenance money by not having that. Sure, the spaceship is funny looking. Sure, some of the, um, you know, you asked Blair Kamen, some of the uh, aesthetics of the building are not what they're, what they're supposed to be and so the, the, the designation left. But the designation should also be for sites, right, that have been pivotal in American history. And there's no place like Soldier Field that can talk about, you know, hosting World Cups and World Fairs and presidents and Pokes and MLK and NASCAR and NHL and all those things that it has done um, over the you know the last 100 years that it's been around. So I think we should get that designation back. 
and find some money to put in that that building to give it back to the people of Chicago. Absolutely. It should uh, be put to use. I'm with you 100 percent of that. Uh, I mean, it should be the site of weekly uh, track meets. We should have an organized, don't get me started, an organized track and field program throughout the city of Chicago for spring, uh, summer, and fall, Cam, and you could have. They used to have those track meets uh, in the uh, Hyde Park. And that's where you have to go to, like, if you want your kids in track, you want to get your kid to run competitively, uh, you know, in any of the events, 100, 400, whatever. Uh, and I just believe you got that beautiful facility. You can have some track meets here. You can have soccer games there, youth soccer games. Youth football could be there, an iconic place. You know, your kid on the field where Walter Payton played. I mean, come on, Chicago, stop acting so clueless. You can do better, man. It, it hasn't that that place has not quote unquote worked for the Bears because it's not supposed to be a football stadium in that way, right? Not an NFL stadium, um, but they kind of got stuck there, uh, and, and they're here, they're there now. But it's also taken away from the people of Chicago. I just found out a few weeks ago, being I, I, I text the the head coach of my alma mater, Morgan Park, who I played with both in high school and in college at U of I, because uh, I was uh, flabbergasted to find out that the prep bowl was not played in Soldier Field. Um, I played in the prep bowl in Soldier Field 20 years ago. Um, and to think that these young, both public league and Catholic league champions, don't have the opportunity to, to, to stand on that field and play football on that field, um, it's crazy to me. And there's no real reason why. Where was it played? Lane Tech. It was played for Lane Tech. Yeah, I know St. Rita won it. I didn't know where it was played. Rita won. I, I think um, I think based on it's something like based on records, um, somebody becomes the home team, and the home team gets to pick their home field, but it can't be Soldier Field. And I think Kenwood was a little worried about um, some public safety issues, so I, I think they, they picked Lane Tech. I see. Uh, and uh, anyway, by the way, Kevin Warren, if you're listening, I know you are. Um, in my opinion, Kevin Warren. Uh, is a long shot candidate uh, to become NFL commissioner one day. And uh, man, A, bring a championship to Chicago, okay? <laughs> Would go a long way to making that a reality. So get working on that. Uh, and uh, But B, uh, finding a very, uh, how do I put this? A home for the Bears uh, that could help the city of Chicago. Right. Way to go a long way. If, if anybody can do it, listen, I'll just say this. I, I, I've dealt with the Bears brass for the last few years since I've been in the legislature. Um, and Kevin is a breath of fresh air, not just because I know him, uh, but because he's actually having conversations with folks um, and not just assuming that things are going to happen. Um, I also think that he's a visionary leader, right? I mean, he not not only did he uh, lead the, the most uh, pivotal expansion in college sports of all time, right, bringing um, – the, the California guys to the Big Ten, which we'll see what happens with that. But it's a big deal, right, just from a financial standpoint. And then secondly, um, he helped orchestrate an architect that I think the, the probably best um, example of what a true public-private partnership stadium deal looks like with what he did in Minnesota. Um, they paid off the bonds on that thing 24 years early, which is crazy. It was smart. By the way, uh, before I switch uh, topics, I got to tell you, I saw the Iowa-Northwestern game this year at Wrigley Field, and that was a blast. I couldn't believe how much fun it was to watch a football game at Wrigley Field. Neither here nor there. I know you never got to play at Wrigley Field football, but... I did not. I did there not. was something so old I'm, school about it. Go I'm ahead. Going too, I'm going too deep on some of the stuff, but I'll, just, I'll, I'll leave this one here. Um, I've been pushing whoever can listen for the last few years 
that the Illinois versus Northwestern final game of each college football season should always be played in, in Chicago. Um, with a one-in-one game, a Wrigley Field, Soldier Field game, back and forth, or even U.S. Cellular Field, um, or what's it called now, Guaranteed Rate Field, Comiskey Park, um, uh, at this point, because they play some football there too. Um, just because I think it's, it's Thanksgiving weekend, people are not in Champaign or Evanston. They're usually in Chicago for the holidays. Let's make it fun. Let's make it a, a, a fun rivalry. Absolutely. Absolutely. freaking lutely. Uh, I'm with you 100% on that one. Uh, and I remember they did have that game at Wrigley Field a few years back, and I think Illinois pounded Northwestern in that game. This year didn't go that way, uh, Illini fans. Uh, but uh, rough time for Illini football. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, one year at Wrigley, one year at Comiskey, and uh, at Soldier Field, I'll throw them in the mix as well. Uh, all right, let's move on to uh, legislative uh, issues in Springfield, elected school board. Uh, is one I have to ask you about. There is so much confusion in the city of Chicago right now about what the status is of our elected school board. Are we? Do we have an elected school board? When will it take place? Will we vote on it? Is it half mayor, half elected? Uh, it's really uncertain. Uh, so why don't you lead us through this? So there, there are, I think the best way to do it is to break it down to three different three different parts. Right. The, the first part is getting the authorization to actually have an elected school board, which we did, and I'm super proud. Of that work. The second part is a map um, for what the districts will look like. We did that and, and we agreed on it. The Senate and the House got to the same point on that. We, we worked with advocates um, from across the city on that um, and folks are, for the most part, happy with those maps. The third part is the elections and how uh, they're going to happen and when they're going to happen. Um, we brought that up during veto session. We, we hit a, a wall towards the end on, on what you know should happen or how often, how quickly do we go to fully elected? How quickly do we do hybrid? How does the voting work? Uh, I, for one, being wish and hope that we can still have a conversation about campaign finance reform and ranked choice voting uh, when it comes to uh, elected school board. And so, you know, people think that we've, we've hit a wall. I'll just say that we've, we've, we've got two of the three things checked off. Um, and we will get that third one underway. One of the things about Springfield is that uh, unlike other, uh, you know, uh, city or county bodies, we're we're not there. Um, you know, we, we don't have a meeting every month. Right. And so once the session is over, the session is over. Um, we can always call a special special session if we need to. But we'll be back there on January 16th. Um, and this will be one of the first things on the docket. I think uh, one of the most important things for absolutely the, the, the Chicago delegation, but I think for all members uh, so we can get this moving. So at the moment, there's no uh, timeline for when the first election would be. That's right. Well, so, you know, the, the original bill tells us that we've got a date by which everything has has to be fully elected, right, which is 2026. But um, that doesn't mean we can't do it earlier, right? It doesn't mean it, can, it can't happen in 24 or 25. And so that's just the conversation now on, on you know, what we do leading up to that, that drop dead date that's in the, in the initial language. All right, uh, I'll be following that one in the next year. And uh, finally, let's close with this. Uh, the quote-unquote feud between Governor Pritzker and Mayor Johnson uh, it is sometimes, you may have been in Birmingham and missed this story, uh, did a lengthy investigation about it. Uh, I saw it. <laughs> you saw, no, you I, I, was, I wasn't missing that. I saw that. You missed that. Okay. You know what? They do have phones, Ben, that work. Uh, so you could be he could be following the news in Birmingham. Uh I know I think like Alabama is like in another century, but they do have electricity there. They do. Uh, and 
and then of course, so that that article, which was based on a lot of uh, uh, non of quotes, unidentified quotes, was followed up by a public feud of sorts over uh, the Brighton Park um, uh, tent city, which we talked about extensively uh, this week. So you're sort of uh, known as a diplomat, a man in the middle here. Um, Talk a little bit about that feud between Pritzker and Johnson. How deep is it? Uh, Is it impacting legislation yet? Uh, And what needs to be done to heal it, if uh, if anything can be done? I'll start off by saying both both the mayor and the governor are friends of mine, and I I, I know that they both have the best interests of the entities that they represent at heart. Um, I actually think this is more of a feud, uh, ongoing feud, that is historical between the state and the city. I think it's less about uh, the people uh, on the second floor of the Capitol or the fifth floor of City Hall uh, and more about the way that Chicago and Illinois have always had some, you know, engaged in fisticuffs uh, just based on, you know, the the way things work. Um, You know, I've worked, I was just thinking about this earlier, but I've worked in the past for uh, a mayor who didn't get along with a governor. Now, it was not in Illinois, um, but imagine being, Michelin Andrews guy in Baton Rouge and trying to get Bobby Jindal uh, to be on the same page with the city of New Orleans, right? Uh, it didn't work very often, right? And and, and we were, <laughs> we moderated a lot, a lot of things and, and, and were gracious, uh, but, you know, these folks were in many ways opponents and enemies. Um, that's not the case with JB and Brandon, right? And, and so I think we should keep that in mind. These are the growing pains of, of administrations getting to know each other. Uh, but I also will say that, you know, whether it's, the mayor and the governor or the Chicago city council or the Illinois legislature. Uh, I want Democrats of all stripes, uh, you know, moderates, liberals, socialists, progressives. I want all of us to realize that we're not the enemy of each other, that we really need to find ways to work together. Um, Once again, to bring up my childhood, it reminds me of when, when we would be in the house uh, and stuck in the house, um, my father would say, go outside, because if you're in, home, in here too long, you start fighting with each other, go fight with somebody else, right? And, and so um, I just remember that, Democrats. Like, we, we got other people we can fight with, uh, and it doesn't have to be uh, the, the folks who are on the same team as you. All right, that's some good advice. We'll leave it at that. Uh, yeah, I um, my sense is uh, that each was looking for a convenient target to bat. And this particular issue, I just let it be clear. Uh, I thought uh, I was on Pritzker's side of this one. You know, I did not believe that Bacon Lot should be uh, turned into a tent city uh, until further study was shown to see the impact, the effect uh, of the toxicity. Toxicity, but Cam, I got the feeling that once um, Pritzker took that stand, or the state took that stand then uh, the mayor, or at least the mayor's advisors, felt compelled to defend themselves. So you get defensive. You get what I'm saying? So that first phase of a fight is to defend yourself by counterpunching the other guy, whether you're right or wrong. Whether, you know what I'm saying? Like, how hard is it to say, you know what? The, the governor has raised a good point, and maybe we should have put Tent City there. You know how hard it is to say you're wrong at that first phase? Do you know how long it takes generally, Cam, for people to say they're wrong? Like three draft. I'm watching this right now with the pr- president of Penn, University of Pennsylvania, who made those comments about uh, the genocide. At the, she's now working, I think, on on her third 
her third draft of a quote-unquote apology. Do you follow what I'm saying, Kim? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. And that's tough, right? And we, and we see that a lot in your right. I think it's part of the um, the, the, the process of, of um, when these type of uh, uh, type of issues occur, especially when they occur in public, right? Um, a lot of this has been uh, happened through press release and happened through the media. And the media loves it, right? Because this is this is the thing, and we can't wait to say these these two these two guys are, are fighting. So a little conversation goes a long way for all of us, man. And it's true, the media does love it. All right, fight, <laughs> Pritzker Johnson. Details at ten. Uh, all right, very much, very good, uh, Camp Buckner. Thank you very much uh, for coming on the show. Talk about all the issues. I know you bring it back soon, if for no other reason. Uh, I'm not going to forget that Glenn Foster case. We'll be watching it. And I know you won't uh, either. Uh, Thank you. You know, we'll be following that one, I guess, for the next year or so. See what uh, revelations are made. What happened uh, in that uh, police station, you know, when he was. I don't know why the man wasn't let go in the first place. Should've he was arrested been. for speeding. Spe- yeah. It's speeding. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, how many people have uh, just just doesn't make any sense you know that's it's like a little excessive there uh all right very good uh camp buckner thank you very much look forward to talking to you again soon all right thank you my friend happy holidays happy holidays to you happy hanukkah merry christmas and everything else to the great camp buckner i'm ben jarofsky take care everybody find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader